Welcome to this Ubula Audio production of The Boxcar Children by Gertrude Chandler Warner. Volume 3 Chapter 10 Henry and the Free-for-All James Henry Alden was a very rich man. His big mills stood just between Greenfield and Silver City. Now J.H. Alden liked boys. He liked to see them running and jumping and playing. So each year, with three other rich men, he gave a field day to the town of Silver City. And even the mills were closed on field day. Every year the boys were in training for the races. And not only boys, but men also, thin and fat. And even girls trained for field day. There were prizes for all kinds of races. Swimming and running and jumping. But the best one of all was a foot race called the free-for-all because anybody could run in it. Mr. Alden gave a prize of $25 and a silver cup to the winner of the free-for-all. Sometimes a boy won the race, sometimes a girl. Once, a fat man had won it. On field day, Henry was cutting the grass for Dr. Moore. Suddenly, the doctor stopped his car in the street and called to Henry. Hop in. Today is field day, and I want you to see the races. Henry hopped in, and the doctor started the car. "'Sorry I can't go,' said Dr. Moore, "'and I want to know all about it. I want you to tell me who wins each race.' Soon Henry found himself sitting on the bleachers. By and by, a small boy climbed up the bleachers and sat beside him. Then a man called, "'Free for all! Come and get ready!' "'What's that?' asked Henry. What's a free-for-all? Don't you know? asked the small boy. Didn't you see the one last year? No, said Henry. The boy laughed. That was a funny one. There were two fat men and some girls and boys. That boy over there won it. You should have seen him. He ran so fast you could hardly see his legs at all. Henry looked at the winner of the last year's race. He was smaller than Henry, but he was older. Suddenly, Henry stood up and quietly left the bleachers. He went to the room where the boys were getting ready for the race. Do you want to run in the race? A man asked him. Yes, I do, replied Henry. The man gave him some track clothes to put on. Where do you train? he asked. I never was trained, said Henry. These boys have been training all year, remarked the man. Oh, I don't think I'll win, answered Henry. But I like to run. It's lots of fun, you know. So it is. So it is, said the man. Henry could hardly wait for the race to begin. He loved to run. But at last the race was called. It was time to start. Henry was number four. Now Henry began to think to himself that it was a long race and that he would have to go easy at first. The bell rang. Off went the runners down the track. In almost no time, Henry was far behind most of the other runners. But he didn't seem to mind this. He told himself it was fun to run anyway, and he tried to see how easily he could run. All at once, he had another thought. He thought at first to see how easily he could run, but now he thought 
he'd try to see how fast he could run. Then all the people began to see how fast Henry could run. He ran faster and faster, and soon he passed the two girls ahead of him. Then he passed a fat man and a little boy. The people began to shout, Number four, number four. Here was the kind of race they loved. Henry cried faster and faster to himself and thought he could run faster than this. And he could. He passed number 25 and number 6. Then he passed number 5 and number 10. Only one runner was ahead of Henry now. It was number 16. Then Henry began to think of winning the race. He knew how much the $25 prize would mean to Jesse and the rest of the children. I'm going to win this race, he said to himself. I'm going to pass number 16. And he ran still faster. He could see the line at the end of the race now. And the people shouted, Number four, number four is going to win. When Henry was near number 16, he put his head down and ran as fast as he could. He passed number 16 and went across the line. He had won. The people shouted and shouted. Some men held Henry up high and carried him to Mr. Alden for the prize. Then a man asked, What's your name, boy? Henry didn't know what to say. He didn't want to tell his name, so he answered, Henry James. Now this was Henry's name, but it was not all of his name. At once the big sign said, Henry James, number four, winner of free-for-all. Here is your prize, Henry James, said Mr. Alden. You can run well, my boy. I'd like to see you run. He gave Henry a silver cup and the twenty-five dollars. Then he shook hands with him. Just then Dr. Moore came along and climbed up the bleachers, but Henry didn't see him. The doctor laughed to himself as Henry James shook hands with James Henry. At last Henry got away from the people and started back to Dr. Moore's. He had the $25 prize in his pocket. When Dr. Moore came home and found Henry cutting the grass, he laughed quietly to himself. I just got home said Henry. I'll tell you who won all the races. Dr. Moore did not tell Henry that he had been up in the bleachers. He let Henry tell him about the races anyway. And who won the free-for-all? he asked. I did, said Henry. You did? Well, good for you. What do you want to do with the money? cried Dr. Moore. I'll give it to Jesse, answered Henry. Good, said the doctor again. When Henry arrived at the box car with the $25, he found dinner ready. Jesse had boiled the rest of the vegetables and put butter on top. The children began to eat, but hungry as they were, they stopped when Henry told them about the race and showed them the silver cup. They were so excited they couldn't eat. You won the race, Henry? cried Jesse delightedly. I'm so glad. You can run fast, Henry, said Minnie. I'm glad you won the race, too. He looked at the silver cup admiringly. I told them my name was Henry James, said Henry. That's right, 
said Jessie. It is. You didn't have to change it. Are we rich now, Henry? asked Benny. No, not very, said Henry, laughing. By the way, I bought something for supper. Jessie looked down into the bag, and there were some fat brown potatoes in it. Oh, I know how to cook these, cried Jessie happily. They'll be good. You just wait. I can't wait, said Henry, laughing. Then he went back to work. After dinner, Benny played around with the dog. Benny, said Jessie suddenly as she hung up her dish towels to dry. It's high time you learn to read. No, no school now, complained Benny. Jessie laughed. No, you can't go to school, but I can help you. I wish I had a book. We can make a book, said Violet. We have all the papers left from bundles. So we could, replied Jessie. But what could we use to make the words? We could use a burnt stick out of the fire, said Violet. So Jessie put the end of a long stick into the fire and burned it black. Then she used the burned end to make words. Won't Henry be glad when he finds out that Benny can read, cried Violet. Now Benny did not want to learn to read, but he liked to watch the girls make the book. Jessie made the words, see me, in the book. She called Benny, but he could not tell C from me. Don't you see, Benny? said Jessie. This one has an S. It says C. This one has an M. It says me. But Benny did not see. It's too hard for me, he said. I'll tell you, Jessie, said Violet at last. Let's make C on one paper and me on the other. That's the way they do in school. Then have him point to C. The girls did this. They called Benny over, and Jessie showed him again very carefully the word that said C. Then she put the two words down on the ground. Now, Benny, point to C, said Jessie. Benny looked at the two words. He still couldn't tell. But Watch barked and put his paw on C. Now Watch did not know one word from the other, but Benny thought he did. Was he going to let a dog get ahead of him? Not Benny. He looked at the words and learned them almost at once. Good old Watch, said Jesse. It isn't hard at all, is it, Watch? said Benny. Before supper, Benny could read, See me, see me run, I can run, and can you run? Good boy, said Jessie. Now I have to get supper. The children started up the fire and washed the potatoes in the brook. Then Jessie put wet papers around them and put them in the fire under the hot stones. Are you going to burn them up, Jessie? asked Benny. Oh, no, Benny said Jessie. You wait and see. When Henry came home, he found Jessie rolling the potatoes out of the fire. They were very black. Oh, did you burn them up? asked Henry. No, indeed. Come and see, 
replied Jessie. She gave three black potatoes to each one. They're very hot, said Violet. Look out. Open them, said Jessie, and take out the potato with a spoon. Then put butter on top and some salt. I'll get Benny's out. Well, how are they? Oh, my gosh, cried Benny. They are delicious. What did I tell you? said Jessie. Have some milk. Milk and potatoes make a very good supper, said Henry. I can read, remarked Benny. What? Yes, he can. He learned this afternoon. Go and get your book, Benny, said Violet. Benny liked to read now. It's not too hard. Watch can read, too. Oh, can he? laughed Henry. Let's see that. Well, Watch is too tired now. I'll read for you instead, said Benny. Benny read out of his new book. Good old Benny, cried Henry. Come to bed now. You must be tired with all that work. I know I'm tired. Chapter 9 The Doctor Takes a Hand The days went by happily for the boxcar children. They found more treasures in the dump, and Henry worked every day for Dr. Moore. One noon, Henry came home with some new socks for Benny. Benny was very happy about them and made everyone admire them. And when Jessie looked at the new socks, she had a happy thought. She carefully washed Benny's old socks and hung them up to dry. That afternoon, she and Violet sat down with the work bag between them, to make a bear for Benny. You have to make a tail, too, Jessie, begged Benny, watching her put on the arms and legs and head. Bears don't have tails, said Jessie. Your old bear didn't have a tail. But this bear has to have a tail, replied Benny, knowing that Jessie would put on two tails if he asked her to. What kind of a tail? asked Jessie at last. Long and thin so I can pull it, said Benny happily. Oh, Benny, cried Jessie laughing. But she made a tail, long and thin, just as Benny had ordered. What's his name, Jessie? asked Benny, when at last the bear was handed over to him. I haven't thought about a name. Why don't you think a nice one up for him? Well, you made him out of my old stockings. Let's call him Stockings. All right, Stockings it is, agreed Jessie, trying not to laugh. From that day on, the bear's name was Stockings, as long as he lived, and he lived to be a very old bear indeed. One afternoon, Jessie saw how long Benny's hair was getting, and she cut it with violet scissors. Benny stood quietly while she did this. But while his sisters were getting supper, he said to himself, Jesse cut my hair. I'll get Violet's scissors and cut Watch's hair. He'll look a lot better. He found Violet's scissors and made Watch lie down on his side. Then he began to cut the hair off. Benny said, Good dog, Watch. You're Jesse's dog, so I'll cut a J in your hair. Now hold still. Watch lay still, and Benny began to cut a J. It was not a very good jay, but it looked a little like one. 
Soon Benny had cut off all the hair on one side with a J in the middle. He stood admiring his work, and just then Jesse came to see what he was doing. Oh, Benny, what are you doing? she cried, and when she saw, she began to laugh. Oh, Violet, come and see this. Wash looks so funny. Jessie laughed and laughed until she almost cried, and Violet laughed until she did cry. Then she could not stop crying. She cried and cried. At last, Jessie made up her mind that Violet was really sick. You have to go to bed, Violet, she said. She helped her carefully into the box car, put pine needles all around her and under her. Then she wet a handkerchief in the cold water of the brook and laid it across her little sister's hot head. I wish Henry would come home, said Jessie. What are we going to do? When Henry came home at last, he looked at Violet and said that maybe she had a cold. Maybe she sat too long in the brook, he said. If Violet is very sick, she ought to go to the hospital, said Jessie. I know that, said Henry, and we don't want her to go to the hospital if we can help it. We'd have to tell her name. Yes, and then Grandfather would find us, said Jessie. The two older children sat up with Violet. They put cold water on her head, but after dark Violet shook all over and Jessie was frightened. She covered Violet all over with pine needles, but still she shook. They could not get Violet warm. I'm going to go get Dr. Moore, said Henry. I think Violet is very sick. Then Henry started to run. He ran even faster than he had run in the race. Down the hill and into town he ran, until he got to Dr. Moore's house. Please come, he cried. Violet is very sick. The doctor said, come and get into my car. He didn't ask Henry which way to go, but the car went up the right road. When they came to the woods, he said to Henry, stay in the car. He ran alone up the hill to the boxcar. Seemed like magic, he knew where to go. When Dr. Moore came back, he was carrying Violet in his arms. Jesse and Benny and Watch came too, and they all got into the car. Are you going to take her to the hospital? asked Henry. No. I'm taking her to my house, said Dr. Moore. When they stopped at last, Dr. Moore carried Violet into the house and said to his mother, Violet is very sick. We must put her in bed. Mrs. Moore hurried around, opening beds and bringing pillows, and Mary came from the kitchen with hot water bottles. After a while, Violet began to get warm. Then Mrs. Moore came to get the other children. You must stay here all night, she said. She gave Henry and Benny a big bed, and Jessie slept in a little one. But Violet was so sick that the doctor did not go to bed all night. He would not leave her. He sat by her side until ten o'clock in the morning. Before ten o'clock, a man came to see the doctor. Mary told him he could wait. So he sat down in the living room, and soon Benny came in. "'Where is the doctor?' asked the man crossly. "'He's up in Violet's room,' answered Benny. 
This means five thousand dollars to him if he'll come down, said the man. Oh, he can't come now, said Benny. What do you mean, boy? What's he doing? He's taking care of my sister Violet. She's very sick, said Benny. And you mean he wouldn't leave her even if I gave him five thousand dollars? asked the man. Yes, answered Benny. That's what I mean. Then the man said, You see, I have a lost little boy, and I think the doctor knows where he is. My little boy is just about as old as you are. Well, if we don't find him, maybe you can have me, remarked Benny. I like you. You do? Come on, come sit on my lap, cried the man. Benny climbed into the man's lap. You got a dog? No, but you can see him in my watch. Here it is, said the man. Benny looked at the dog. He looks like a very good dog. I have a dog, too. His name is Watch. Just then, Watch came in with Dr. Moore. Good morning, said Dr. Moore. Benny, you can go and play with Watch. Benny ran out, and the man said, Dr. Moore, where are my grandchildren? Well, that little boy is one of them, said Dr. Moore quietly. That beautiful little boy? Yes, they are all good children. But they are afraid of you. They are afraid you will find them. How do you know that? They have changed their name, said the doctor. He looked at the man in a queer way. The big boy changed his name on field day. You saw him then, do you remember? I saw him? What, what did he change his name to? Henry James, said the doctor. The running boy? The boy who won the free-for-all? I like that boy. So I am his grandfather. Chapter 12 James Henry and Henry James Dr. Moore went to get his mother. Mother, this is Mr. James Henry Alden. He wants to take his grandchildren to live with him. I'm afraid they won't want to go with you until they learn to like you, and they won't want to go while Violet is sick, certainly. Can't I see them? begged Mr. Alden. I won't tell them who I am. Well, that would help, agreed the doctor. If they grow to like you before they know who you are, things might be easier. Yes, said Mrs. Moore. Stay here with us a while. The children will learn to like you and then we can tell them that you are their grandfather. Thank you. I will go home and get some clothes and come back, and I will give you that five thousand dollars. But Dr. Moore would not take the money. I just want these children to be happy, he said. When Mary learned she was to cook for Mr. Alden, she was frightened. How can I cook for him? He has everything. He's a very rich man, you know. Oh, you could cook for anyone, said Dr. Moore kindly. Just get one of your good chicken dinners and make some cherry dumplings. At dinner, Mr. Alden saw all his grandchildren but Violet. He smiled with delight when he saw Jessie come into the room in her quiet way. Children, said Mrs. Moore. This is Mr. Henry. 
Benny laughed. Henry and Mr. Henry, he remarked. That is funny. Henry shook hands with Mr. Alden before he sat down at the table. Henry wondered where he had seen this man before. The children liked to hear Mr. Henry talk. He told them about a big cucumber in his garden. The cucumber was growing inside a bottle, and he couldn't get it out. Why not? asked Benny. It's too big, said Mr. Alden. How did it get in there in the first place? Well, it was a little cucumber when it went in, and a cucumber will grow just the same in a bottle as it will outside the bottle. It'll grow so big you can't get it out. I'd like to see that cucumber, said Benny, stopping in the middle of his cherry dumpling. Would you really? Well, some day you and I will go over and pick it, said Mr. Alden with delight. And we can bring it to Violet, said Benny. Yes, we'll bring it to Violet, agreed Mr. Alden. Henry wondered again, where have I seen this man before? I wish I could remember. He could not remember, but he liked Mr. Alden very much, and all the children liked him because he was kind to them. At last, one day, Mr. Alden could see Violet and went softly into her room with some beautiful flowers from his garden. The children loved him when he patted Violet's dark head and told her he was sorry she had been sick. He told her, too, about his garden, where the flowers came from. I'd like to see your garden, said Violet. I love flowers. How long are you going to stay, Mr. Henry? asked Benny. Shh, Benny, said Jessie. I want to stay here as long as I can, my boy, said Mr. Alden quietly. Henry looked at the man again. He knew that he had heard him say, my boy, before. Now where was that? He could not remember. After dinner, Mr. Alden sat under a tree reading. Henry was working in the flower garden in front of the house. He looked at Mr. Alden again and again, and finally it came to him as the man smiled over his book. It's the same man who gave me that $25 prize in the silver cup, he said to himself. I didn't remember him at first because I was so excited when he shook hands with me. He took another look and said to himself again, It's the very same man. Henry sat thinking for a little while, then he got up and went to find Dr. Moore. Do you know who it was who gave me the prize on field day? He asked the doctor. Do you know what his name was? Of course. James Oldham of the Mills. J. H. Oldham over at Greenfield. He did not look at Henry in the eye while he was saying this. And Henry was so surprised he almost fell over. That kind man was his grandfather. He went out and sat on the steps to think it over. To begin with, this man was too young. Henry had thought of his grandfather as being an old man with white hair. And Mrs. Moore had called him Mr. Henry. Could it be that the man knew he was their grandfather and hadn't told them? 
Then he saw that Mr. Alden was getting out of his chair under the trees. It's now or never, thought Henry. I have to know. He walked eagerly after the man who was going toward the garden with his back to Henry. Then the man turned around and saw how excited Henry was. Are you James Henry Alton of Greenfield? Henry asked. I am, my boy, replied Mr. Alden with a smile. Does that mean you know that I know you are Henry James Alden? Yes, said Henry quietly. Then James Henry Alden shook hands again with Henry James Alden. Jesse and Benny came across the grass just in time to hear Henry say, But Grandfather! Grandfather! cried Jesse. What do you mean, Henry? Yes, Jesse, said Henry eagerly. He's the man we've been running away from all this time. But I thought you were old, said Benny. And cross! Jesse said so! I didn't know that, Benny said Jessie. Her face was red. To think of running away from this kind man was just crazy. But her grandfather did not seem to mind. He patted her on the head and said, Let's go up and see Violet. There was no stopping Benny. He hurried into Violet's room, holding Mr. Alden by the hand and shouting, It's Grandfather Violet, and he isn't cross or old after all. What do you mean? asked Violet. Isn't he Mr. Henry? My name is James Henry Alden, replied her grandfather. And my name is Henry James Alden, cried Henry. Well, well, said Dr. Moore coming in. Violet held on to her grandfather's hand and listened to the rest talking excitedly. "'Where have you been living?' asked Mr. Alden at last. They looked at each other, even Dr. Moore and his mother. Then they all laughed, as if they would never stop. "'You really ought to see,' said Dr. Moore. "'What?' cried all the children at once. "'You never saw it in the daytime.' "'Is that so? I have seen it many times in the daytime,' laughed the doctor. "'Seen what?' asked Mr. Alden. "'Our house,' replied Jessie. "'We've been living in a boxcar in the woods.' Then they all began to tell him about the dump and the dishes and the brook and the swimming pool. "'They have four beds of pine needles in that car,' said Dr. Moore. "'How do you know that?' asked Jessie. Well, the first day Henry worked for me, I walked after him as far as the hill. Why did you do that? asked Mr. Alden. I liked him. I saw that he was a fine boy, and I wanted to see where he lived. But you can't see the boxcar from the hill, said Jessie. No, but I came back that night and looked around. About ten o'clock. Yes, and I stepped on a stick, and you heard me. "'A rabbit!' cried Jesse and Henry. "'Watch barked at that.' "'Yes, I heard the dog bark, so I knew you were in the boxcar, and then I went home.' "'But you came back?' asked Jesse. "'Oh, yes, when you were picking cherries. I went to see your house.' 
I wanted to see if you had enough to eat and enough dishes. Why didn't you tell me? Asked Mr. Alden. Didn't you know they were my grandchildren? The doctor laughed. Yes, I did, but they were having such a fine time I didn't want to tell. They got along very well until Violet got sick, and then I told you. Well, I'm glad you did, said Mr. Alden. I have seen your house, too, said Mrs. Moore. I went home one day and saw all your dishes. I liked your big pitcher and teapot. All of you have seen it except for me, said Mr. Alden. We'll show it to you. I'll show you my cart made out of wheels and my pink cup, cried Benny. Good for you, Benny. When Violet gets well, we'll go up there. If you'll show me your house, I'll show you my house, said his grandfather, much pleased. Do you have a house? asked Benny in surprise. Well, yes, you can live there with me if you like. I've been looking for you children for a long time. Violet was soon well again, and one afternoon they all started out to see the boxcar. The doctor took them in his car. Many people looked out of their windows to watch Mr. Alden and his grandchildren. They were glad that the children had found such a kind grandfather at last. When they arrived at their old home, they ran around, all talking excitedly at the same time. Watch sniffed and sniffed all around, looking for the bone he had buried. Everything was the same. Here's the dam for the pool, said Henry to his grandfather. See our building? shouted Benny, for that was what he called the fireplace. It really burns, too, and this is the refrigerator in the waterfall, and here's my pink cup. They all stepped on the stump and climbed into the car. They looked at the four beds and the dishes. And here's the same old pitcher and teapot, said Jessie, laughing. They found the blue tablecloth, and they all sat down by the brook and ate chicken and bread and butter and cookies. Benny drank milk from his pink cup. All right now, children, we really ought to go, said Dr. Moore at last. The sun is going down, and I don't want Violet to take any more cold. They closed the boxcar door and said goodbye, but they were all sorry to go. Tomorrow will all of you come to see my house? asked Mr. Alden. The children cried yes happily. They did not know what a beautiful house it was, and what good times they were going to have in it. Chapter 13 A New Home for the Boxcar The children's grandfather wanted them to like his house. He wanted them to live with him all the time. So he had made over some of the rooms just for them. The children went with him in his car to see the house. When the car stopped in front of it, Henry cried in surprise. Do you live here, in this beautiful house? And it was a beautiful house. It was very large, with many trees and flower gardens around it. You may live here, too, if you like my house, remarked Grandfather, watching Henry's face. The house was beautiful inside, too. 
There were flowers everywhere, and there were maids everywhere. The children went up to the bedrooms. Oh, my! cried Jessie. This is Violet's room. It really was Violet's room. There were violets on the wallpaper. The bed was white with a violet cover. On the table were flowers. Violets, of course. What a beautiful room! cried Violet, sitting down in a soft, pretty chair. All the children shouted when they saw Benny's room. The wallpaper was blue and covered with big rabbits and dogs and bears. There were a rocking horse and a toolbox and little tables and chairs. And an engine stood on a track, with cars almost as big as the little boy himself. Benny ran over to the engine. Can I run this train all day? he asked. Oh, no, said Henry. You're going to school as soon as it begins. His grandfather laughed. That is right, my boy. You'll like school. You'll learn to read. Oh, I can read now, said Benny. In Jessie's room they found a bed for Watch. It was on the floor by her bed. Watch got into it at once, and sniffed at the pillow, turned around three times, and lay down. He likes it. He'll sleep by me, said Jessie. Just then the children heard a doorbell ring. A maid came up to find Mr. Alden. There's a man to see you about the dog, she said. Now when Jessie heard the word dog, she was frightened. She was afraid it was about Watch. They're not going to take Watch away, are they? She whispered to Henry. No, never. We'll never, never give him up, said Henry. Henry and Jessie and the other children went down with their grandfather to see the man, and Jessie was more frightened than ever. Watch did not growl at the man. He jumped up on him delightedly. You see, he was my dog, but I sold him to a lady, said the man, and he ran away from her that very day. I have to turn him over to the lady I sold him to, I'm very afraid. How do you know he's the same dog? asked Mr. Alden. Oh, he is my dog. You see, he knows me, and he has a small black spot on his foot. But someone has cut his hair on one side. Benny looked, and he found the black spot on Watch's foot. I never saw that spot before, said Henry. I will give you what you want for the dog. The children love him, and they want to keep him, said Mr. Alden. But I sold him to a lady. It is not mine any more. I must take the dog to her. Then Henry said, Maybe she'll want to change to another dog when she sees his hair. If she will agree to take another dog, will you let my grandfather have this one? Of course I will, said the man. Let's go and ask her, grandfather, said Benny. She will let Jesse have watch. He is her dog. She took the thorn out of his foot after all. The man told Mr. Alden where the lady lived, and they all started out to find her. She was a very pretty young lady, and she asked them to sit down. But Benny could not wait. He said, Please let us keep watch. I want him, and Jesse wants him, and we didn't know he was your dog. What do you mean? asked the lady, laughing. Who's watch? This dog is watch, 
answered Henry. A man came to Grandfather's house today and told us that he had sold the dog to you. When Watch ran away from you, the day you bought him, he came to us. He had a thorn in his foot, and Jesse took it out. Watch looked up at the lady and wagged his tail. Then she looked at him and began to laugh. Look at his side. Who cut his hair? She said. I'm sorry, said Henry. Benny did that one day with violet scissors. Well, I'm not sorry, said the lady laughing. He looks so funny. And you want to keep him? Is that it? Oh, yes, said Jesse eagerly. The man will let us have him if you'll take another dog. Don't worry about it, said the young lady. You may keep the dog. I can change to another one. Oh, thank you. You are nice, cried Benny. He ran up to the lady and climbed up in her lap before anybody could stop him. I'd like to keep you, Benny, in place of the dog, laughed the lady, putting her arms around him. How happy the children were to have watched to keep. Mr. Alden gave the money to the man at once. Four happy children sat with their grandfather around the Alden dinner table that night. The maids smiled in the kitchen to hear the children laugh. And the children laughed because Watch had a chair at the table beside Jessie and was really waited on by a maid. Would you ever think that four children could be homesick in such a beautiful house? Jessie was the first one to wish for the old boxcar. One day she said, Oh, Grandfather, I'd like to cook something once more in my dear old kettle in the woods. Go out in the kitchen, my dear. The maids will help you. You can cook anything you want there, said her grandfather. Jessie liked this, but it was not like the old days in the boxcar. And then one day Benny said, Grandfather, I wish I could drink my milk out of my dear old pink cup. His grandfather began to think. He had some pink cups, but they were not so dear to Benny as his old cracked one. At last, Mr. Alden said, I'm going to give you children a surprise. Is it a nice surprise? asked Benny. No, not very, laughed his grandfather. It's not pretty at all. When will it come? It'll come today. You children must all go over to Dr. Moore's and stay until the surprise comes. What could it be? wondered Violet. Her grandfather laughed and said, I hope you like it. It's very heavy. The children were glad to see sweet Mrs. Moore and the kind doctor again, and they stayed until Mr. Alden said the surprise was ready. Then Dr. Moore and his mother went back with them in the big car. Mr. Alden was as happy as a boy. He took them by the garage and through the big gardens, and at last they came to a garden with a fountain in the middle and trees around it. Near the fountain was the surprise. It was the old boxcar. The children ran over to it with cries of delight, opened the door and climbed in. All the things were in place. Even the old dead stump was there to step on. Here was the old knife which had cut butter and bread and vegetables and firewood and string. Here was Benny's pink cup and here was his bed. 
Here with a big kettle and the blue tablecloth. Here with a pitcher and the old teapot. And here was the dinner bell, which the children had made from an old tin can. Then he hung it on a tree with a string and rang it over and over again with a spoon. Watch rolled on the floor of the car and barked and barked. Then he began to sniff at everything. He's looking for the bone he buried, laughed Benny. How they love that old boxcar, said Mrs. Moore. I like to see them so happy. Thank you for the surprise, Grandfather. We'll never go away from you again, said Violet. I hope not, my dear, said Mr. Alden. We'll all live happily ever after. And so they did. The End We hope that you've enjoyed this Uvula audio presentation of The Boxcar Children by Gertrude Chandler Warner. The opening song was the 1904 Wabash Cannonball, written by William Kint. And the closing railroad song was the classic Orange Blossom Special by Irvin T. Rouse from 1938. Please feel free to write us and tell us what you think at uvulaaudio at uvulaaudio.com. You can also become a Facebook fan of Uvula Audio. Just do a search for Uvula Audio on Facebook, or you can do it from the main Uvula Audio webpage. As usual, check out our Cafe Press website for t-shirts, etc. For other Uvula Audio titles, please go to our website at www.uvulaaudio.com. We are listed on iTunes, and you can subscribe and download our podcasts for free from there. If you like our podcast, please feel free to tip us whatever amount you may like using the secure PayPal links at uvulaaudio.com. From all of us at Uvula Audio, we thank you. <laughs>